0: day and welcome back podcast listeners we're so glad you're joining us i'm pastor brandon and i'm here with
1: pastor steve
0: and pastor megan and the worship series we are currently in is i am what that's a new worship series
2: (laughs) it is (laughs) and it sounds awkward for me to say it because it's not about me it's about jesus
0: oh so what what are we going to learn about for this worship series
2: (laughs) Jesus, mostly, Pastor Brandon. We should have what, said
0: Jesus
1: is.
2: Jesus is. I know. I did honestly. <laughs> I am not going to kid with you. <laughs> I went through many permutations of trying to say how. What's some way to say that this is about us finding out who Jesus? Jesus is telling us who he. Uh, but I am had very few letters, so that made it a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, but we're in the Gospel of John, and we're in the section of John where we start to really have Jesus revealed to us. what? What is Jesus doing? How is he making himself known? What is he mm. teaching? What miracles is he performing? And better yet, this liturgical season is the season of epiphany. <gasps> um, I know the day of epiphany is the day the church recognizes the, the magi visiting the Christ child and his family. Um, and so the season after that day, the church kind of thinks about Epiphany—the uh, way we might use the word epiphany—as something being revealed, something being mm. made known. So it's also liturgically a season of of Christ being made known to the world. So we have this section of of John where Jesus is being made known. We have this liturgical season where we're finding out who Jesus. I just hey, I thought it worked, so That's we went great. with it. Yeah, so we're gonna
0: get to know Jesus.
2: That's the plan. Oh, awesome!
0: And um, so last this past weekend we had Pastor Lusungu Msigwa. Yes. Um, who's currently studying at Luther Seminary uh, from Iringa, Tanzania, who um, I thought he did a great job uh, re- reminding us about uh, not just our baptisms, but that each of us has Christ's light in us. Yes. And we uh, point people to, to Jesus, but we also are Christ's light in people's lives. So mm-hmm. um, a good and helpful reminder um, that we, we have a calling we have a baptismal mission to to be Christ for others and to point people to uh, God's mercy, love, grace, and forgiveness in Jesus. So, um, But then, then there's today's story, which is, you know, when we think about um, pointing people, you know, when I invite somebody to my house, I'm like, oh, what am I inviting them into? And then you run around your house and you're like, uh-oh, somebody's got to run the vacuum and we got to you know, put these sorts of things away and pick up the Legos and all that. So when we point people to Jesus, what kind of person are we pointing them to? Because today's story is very exciting. <laughs>
1: exciting it is, is exciting. one
2: word for it.
1: Yes. And shocking for some.
2: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and in disruptive in a lot of ways. <gasps> um, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, well, Pastor Megan. No, yeah. no, not you. Pastor Steve, yes. would you share the reading?
1: Yeah. Somebody
2: is going to share this reading today. I, I just
1: want to take a quick second, though, because I yeah. think that it's important to know the context mm, of this reading mm-hmm, because we skip over a really a couple really important stories. And,
2: well, yes, and, and this is a big regret of mine because since this uh, series is generally following the narrative lectionary but with some hiccups, one of the hiccups is that we don't get this beautiful story Starting uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus's first miracle or sign, as, as the Gospel of John talks about it, um, the, the making of the water into wine. It's such a good
1: story. Party Jesus.
2: Party Jesus. Yes. Yeah.
1: And, and it's a couple of things about the Gospel of John is that the writer of John uses stories in contrast to each other. Yes. He uses regions. So, if, you, if you're paying attention to John, pay attention to where the stories are happening because some the, there's groups of stories that happen up in the northern part of Galilee, and then there's stories that happen in Jerusalem or in Judea, and John uses the Galilee stories to kind of talk about the gospel and light, and then he uses the Jerusalem stories to talk about the darkness and the problem. And so... We, we come into our story today right after Jesus is at a wedding party, and he does his first sign. This is the whole section is called the Book of Signs, and he turns water into wine. And it's this story of joy and abundance and family and life, and that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And then he comes to Jerusalem. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And now I'll read the story. So just imagine we've just faded out on this wedding party and they're drinking the good wine. And then verse 13. The Passover of the, of, <laughs> the Passover of the Jews was near and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone.
0: Awesome sauce. So um, this, I have to confess, I miss cute, cuddly baby Jesus in a golden fleece diaper. Uh, from Christmas Eve, right?
2: This is this is a this is a different side.
1: <laughs> Love shows up in a
2: whole different Ooh-ho-ay. way. <laughs> a little aggressive,
0: but it is uh, so. Just a few things to note here, right? Right off the bat, is it starts the Passover mm-hmm. of the Jews, and I think in John's Gospel, doesn't Jesus go to the Passover in Jerusalem three times? That's kind of where we get this idea that his ministry would have been three, at least three years. Um, before he was crucified, and and I think that's only in John's gospel. The, yeah, He's the the timing
2: there. of John's gospel, the schedule of John's gospel is different from the synoptics, from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In in the first three gospels, Jesus doesn't really approach Jerusalem for the Passover until the very end. That's where we get the triumphal entry mm-hmm. and the story of finding you know the donkey and the colt in the upper room. Um, so it might be a little confusing in John for you to see, oh my gosh, it's chapter two and Jesus is going to Jerusalem for the Passover. We're starting with the ending. What's going on? Mm-hmm. No, it's just the, the, the schedule is different for John's Gospel. And so you might wonder which one is right. And the answer is yes.
0: Yes, yes. And so in Pastor Steve, you pointed out, too, that this is in the Jerusalem, so the region of Judea. So we're looking at more, uh, kind of less of, you know, the Galilee stories, the light and the Gospel. Jerusalem is more the darkness and the problem. So um, Jesus identifies one of the problems here. Can you tell us more? So why does it matter that it's Passover? What are people doing? Um, Why are there animals in the temple? Why are there money changers, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Um, So the short answer is that Passover is is like a big festival. This is like the big festival. And so people are coming from all over uh, to celebrate in Jerusalem. So you'd be coming from all over uh, the known a uh, Jewish world to come be in Jerusalem to worship. Well, if you've come, you know, for a multi-day trip, you haven't brought your sheep or your doves or whatever mm. to present as a sacrifice in sure. the temple, you'd have to buy them when you got there. You were possibly also coming with money that wasn't necessarily what could be used in that area. There was less of a, um, you know, established system for, for money in exchange then, right? So you'd show up at the temple and say, all right, I've got what I've got in my pocket. What I need is something that's going to buy me one of those sheep so that I can offer it for sacrifice as part of this festival um, and surprise there's a whole system sprung up for that so there are money changers to help you change over your money there are people selling livestock so that you can offer your sacrifice and all these things are, are not inappropriate they are well and good the problem is it's become a bit predatory Mm. People are coming because this is a religious obligation. This is what they must do. Like, you don't really have a choice. But in the meantime, people have saw- seen, oh, haha! Ha, because we have this built-in audience. Uh, if we skim a little off the top here, mm. they are going to have to buy whatever we're selling at whatever price. And mm-hmm. so the the, the the suspicion, at least, as we read this story, is that um, the the anger that Jesus is expressing is with this sort of monetization of faith mm. that, that people have to buy. By their uh, religious rightness, uh, and people are getting manipulated and taken advantage of for their faithfulness.
0: So, part of the the problem is the system that's in place um, the, to, the, to help people. The problem is yeah. the is the system that's in that, place. Yeah, they they've kind of created this. They have this uh, tradition, the system that helps people to be in a right relationship with God. And Jesus sees that, turns the tables over, makes a court of whips, even chases out the doves. I mean.
2: Yeah, I mean, those I mean, poor doves, what did they ever do? <laughs>
0: so, Pastor, Pastor Steve, and then um, I guess for me, when I'm reading this, I think, oh yeah. Um, we remember from John 1 that God, you know, in the beginning connects us to the very beginning. Uh, Genesis 1, where God creates, that God desires life, that God creates life, and and so one of the, the barriers Jesus sees is that, well, um, that this is not life-giving for people. But also um, the temple. I think, don't you have a great understanding of what the temple's purpose was and how it how it went from tabernacle, temple, and what Jesus might be telling us here?
1: Yeah, I I would like to think I have a notion about <laughs> it. But um, it, the temple is pretty amazing, and when you study its history, but if we got to go all the way back to the beginning, because that's where we always have to go. It's a very good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Maria. Um, yeah. Um, but the the temple, the, the physical building of the temple, was a, a permanent replica of the tabernacle, which was the tent that was given to Moses in Exodus. Mm. And the, that tabernacle was designed to be a representation of the Garden of Eden. It, it and it was about our original relationship with God in Eden and get us getting back to that. And so in the Moses story, God's presence came and filled the tabernacle. They call it the Shekinah glory, right? And and dwelt among the people. And so in John chapter one we see that Jesus uh became flesh and tabernacled among us. And so we already have a clue from the very beginning of John that Jesus is making a move in what is mm. the temple, that he himself is the temple. And so it's it's really, we get a clue in the passage of today that this is definitely being written from a perspective where the temple's gone, Jesus, Jesus has risen from the dead, the temple is gone, and one of the big questions that the Jewish people are asking themselves and who are followers of Jesus is, okay, the the temple's gone. Like the Romans destroyed it, and we don't know what to do. Hmm. And they remember, oh, Jesus said that he was the temple. Hmm. And then we find out later that as he breathes the Spirit into the church, that we are the temple of God. And the Apostle Paul makes that claim quite a bit. And so this is like one of those foreshadowing moments to show us that um, big changes are coming. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is cleaning house, saying the system's corrupt. You guys are all about... Uh, The other thing to think about is that King Herod had just spent 40 years making this into one of the wonders of the world. Mm -hmm. Like he turned it into Disneyland, and it had nothing to do with the original intention (laughs) of the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is like, yeah, it's coming down, um, but... That's not the purpose of it. I'm it, gonna rise.
0: That is an interesting turn too, Pastor Steve, to to point out that this was written after the temple had already been destroyed, is that um, the the Jewish people would, would, while we're used to going to the temple, this is the place where we go to meet God. Um, and now we don't have that anymore. So where exactly are we supposed to go to be with God? And what exactly are we supposed to do for that relationship? Um, and Jesus kind of um, cryptically, because thanks, Jesus. Yeah, um, just say
2: it, man. Yeah. Like, just come on.
0: Yeah, he, he's almost like, well, Jesus himself is the presence of God, not the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have the temple anymore, but you have Jesus and then then you have the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. With, which is in each one of us. So it's, it's almost like we're kind of starting to say, well, um, we are. God's presence on earth, and and the church is supposed to be too, Um, but we are God's presence. So perhaps there are people who they're not going to make it to the temple, um, but they will hopefully experience God through each one of us when we're at the grocery store or something like that. Right. Uh, Pastor Megan.
2: (laughs) Yes, Pastor Brandon.
0: (laughs) This is good. I have a question for you. Great. All right, so Pastor Megan. Yeah. So we have this uh, ritual, this tradition of making sacrifices to be in a a right relationship with God, and that's something Jesus is overturning. Well, you have Jesus. Um, So I want to know, from your perspective, are there things, maybe not at Easter Lutheran Church, but maybe, are there things you think that we as a faith community as Christians, are there perhaps traditions or rituals we have that might keep people from experiencing God's love and God's presence?
2: I think that is a question that we, not, as, not only as leaders, but as Christians need to be asking ourselves, uh, I mean, every day. And I think it's I think it's not often the things that we think it is. How many times can I say think in a sentence? Mm -hmm. We're inclined to believe it's things like, well, I'm giving an example. I'm not here to offend anyone. Well, liturgy is really complicated and hard to follow. And I'm sure it's driving people Mm -hmm. away from church. If we just got rid of liturgy, everyone would come flocking. I I think that's kind of Mm -hmm. a red herring, right? Like I, I think it's not necessarily about the format or style of worship, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has a lot more to do, Pastor Brandon, with what you said about the way that we bear Christ's light out into the world. Mm. I think that's much more the kind of thing that is 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 putting barriers between people and God. Are we truly living out this gospel that we, we claim to hold? Are we are we truly being caring and compassionate? Are we truly mm-hmm. living in love and service to our neighbor? Are we truly living out of an ethic that promotes community and, and equity and, and shares God's grace? Or are we living strictly out of a really wooden sense of personal morality that says, I do everything right, therefore I'm good. You do things I've decided are wrong, therefore you're bad. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's much more of what's going on in the temple courtyard that's much more of what's keeping people out of the presence of God. Mm. Um so uh, that would that would be my suspicion. So
0: are you suggesting that one of the things that keeps people from experiencing Christ is Christians?
2: I I uh, as as one of those people that is to say Christians, I must say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you heard I, it here first, right, folks? Your lead pastor thinks Christians are the problem. <laughs> I have a few friends who who host a podcast whose tagline is uh, effectively uh, for people who love Jesus but aren't so sure about the people who hang who hang out with him, hmm. um, because there's this draw to, to what Jesus preaches, right? Like even when Jesus is, as in this story, being a bit difficult, right? Like this is mm-hmm. this is obviously. I mean if this were modern day Jesus would be called a rioter and it would be called um. looting and you know he was disruptive and yeah. you know he's inhibiting the the process of just regular old people wanting to fulfill their religious obligations how dare he I mean it, this is this is problematic mm. like it's you can say that the system is the problem nonetheless <laughs> Jesus's actions are problematic um So other than, you know, maybe this story or where he's cursing fig trees or doing things that are hard for us to understand, oftentimes we get this sense from Jesus that, you know, what he's about is is ensuring that we can know God's love Mm -hmm. and ensuring that we're taking care of each other the way God has called us to. Right. Um, And still. We so often come across people who claim to follow that gospel. And I will just include myself in that because I'm aware of b- being a sinner who messes it up. Like, that's mm-hmm. just true. Um, come across people who, are, who claim to be following Jesus, but who really don't do a great job of, of communicating God's love and grace and mercy for all people and loving and treating people accordingly. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough.
0: That is a tough Word of judgment, boss. Um well one of the jobs of a preacher is though. is law. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> law. But then uh, we remember that um law is not the only word and praise God it is also not the last word. Mm,
0: amen. So Pastor Steve, um we we have to end this podcast. This you you mentioned this is within the uh signs of Jesus. And the sign he tells them is destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So tell us more about this sign. Because he doesn't actually raise the temple up right here. It's part of the signs, but...
2: Or ever. Tells him yeah.
1: about a sign. Well, the ultimate sign of his... of The signs prove that he is who he says he is. Hmm. And the ultimate sign was his resurrection. And that's what he's pointing to. And that's where we're heading uh, as we journey through this. Because that without the resurrection, the rest of the story doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, he's just another crazy teacher right yeah um yeah. but but he said i'm i'm gonna destroy this temple which is my body and in three days it's going to be raised up and the resurrection and then you know he raises lazarus that was like the foreshadowing that was one mm. of the signs he's like just that's just like preview of coming attractions people mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, ultimately yeah. the resurrection is for everybody yeah and we live in resurrection life but
0: yeah so we are reminded here at the at our closing that God desires life and life for all people.
1: God transforms water into wine,
0: so that all
2: may have abundance.
1: Ooh, an abundance of wine.
2: Well, are yeah, you, I, the I good mean...
1: stuff. The good stuff. <laughs> water. Water gives life, but wine makes life happy.
2: Yeah. Ah, if you wanted want to both. water would have been a little dangerous to drink in that time and place because of things like, you know, dysentery. Um, so even wine could be argued to give life because it would keep you from getting sick drinking the amoebas mm-hmm. in the water. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, there's that too. There's that <laughs> too. Well, so we have just a wonderful reminder too um, that we are God's uh, life and God's light in this world. Um, and that we we point people towards, towards God's abundant love and life in Jesus Christ. So no pressure. Um, but thanks so much for tuning in here, Easter people, to our uh, podcast at Easter Lutheran Church where our mission is to grow in faith and carry, carry on. on the work of Jesus Christ. May the Lord, rise on